Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. We're excited about the word. We've been doing a series called Grateful and talking about how to harness the power of gratitude uh, to transform our lives, our families, and even the nations. And at the heart of this, we realize that this bottom line has been that when we let God change our attitude on the inside, it changes the atmosphere on the outside. <laughs> it, it does something radical. And it, it really begins in here, right? God changes the world by changing us. And we have seen how that has implied how people can go from fear to faith, from victim to victors, when suddenly they begin to give praise and thanksgiving. How they can go from people who are very grumpy to very joyful. Hallelujah. They, they can be changed by the power of gratitude. Today we're going to talk about how we can be changed from, from selfish to generous. Uh, from it's all about me to how can I lay down my life. And let God use my life for others. And, and what we're going to see is that this kind of generosity isn't necessarily something we're born with. How many knew some people that were pretty stingy when they first came to Jesus, all right? I know some people in this room, and I like to joke about this. When you first came to the Lord, you really got nervous at offering time. And, and man, as, as, as my friend Wayne Meyer said, you squeezed a dollar bill so tightly you made George Washington cry. And, uh, and yet, Jesus touched your heart. And isn't that amazing? The Bible, someone said, when, when the heart is converted, the purse is inverted. You know, all of a sudden, there became a generosity. And, and this, is, this is a work of grace. This is not, you better be a generous person. This is, when you meet the grace of God, you will no longer live and give now and then. You will live to give. Because you can't help it. And that's the purpose of this message is to challenge you to let grace go deep. And we're going to learn. I just wanted to start with a story about where this happened in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. How am I doing? Can I put this down? Oh, okay. Now we're working. All right. Thank you, DK. Let's read this great story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to him, can you say it with me? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Read this with me. For the Son of Man came, not, came to seek and to save the lost. 
uh, Zacchaeus, I just love this story. He's a very selfish man. He uh, was the chief tax collector. What does that mean? Well, to understand in those days, the Romans would hire Jews, and, and they would say, you've got to collect taxes, and this is how you're going to get paid. Whatever you can raise above what's required, you get to keep. So these tax collectors would rip people off. That's how they made their money, by cheating their own people. And now he was the chief of the cheaters. <laughs> so he had people cheating for him so he could make a cut on all of them. Think mafia boss, all right? And, and so here is Zacchaeus. And you can tell from his very heart, he had a chip on his shoulder. He, he, he was angry. I, you know, he, you can tell because just the way he acts. Uh, maybe he went to Sunday school. How many ever heard that song in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. All right, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But how many know nobody likes to be called a wee little man? I, I think like a lot of short people, he felt rejection. I don't know. I'm just sort of laughing because Sharon and I watched Elf last night. and That little angry Elf. But anyhow, somehow he felt this, this rejection, this bitterness. And he decided to take it out on everybody around him. But then he hears that Jesus is coming to town. And, and he wants to see Jesus. That's not surprising. How I many it's not, no, it's not surprising Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. What's surprising is that Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. And, and Zacchaeus probably had heard. He raises the dead, miracles. And yet Zacchaeus is very short. So he runs up and climbs up in a tree. That must have looked really funny with the robes of that day. And yet something in his heart longed to be changed. All of a sudden, Jesus stops, and he calls him by name. Now, I just love this, because something radical happens in Zacchaeus's heart. D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist, and he, he quotes from this. He says, from the branch top, somewhere from the branch top to the ground, Zacchaeus was cha changed and transformed. He was saved in an instant. Jesus looked at him, and the first thing did, Jesus called his name. Now, now what's so significant? How many know whenever Jesus calls you, he calls your identity? When he called Zacchaeus, he was saying, Zacchaeus, I know what you were meant to be, and it's not what people know. Zacchaeus, it's not too late for you to be the man you were born to be. The word Zacchaeus means righteous one. Can you imagine? Here's Jesus who knows he looks, hey, I know who you are. Hey, righteous one, that's your destiny. Righteous one, that's your identity. And then he says, I've got to go to your house. Can you imagine what Zacchaeus felt? The king of kings said, I... I Certainly you could have punished, but no, I want, he wants to come fellowship. He wants to be my friend. He wants me. He wants to love me. And it blew Zacchaeus away. He comes down from that tree, 
And like I say, he's a changed man. And he goes, takes Jesus to the house. Now, Jesus never says a word about money. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he says, man, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything I own to, to feed the poor. And, and if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give 120% back. Six times as much. I'm just going to give. And Jesus just sort, of, just sort of laughs. He says, salvation has come. You know, don't you love about Jesus? When he comes to a town, he looks for the most rascal, dirty person. <laughs> don't you love it? And he changes it. How many are amazed that Jesus could walk in this room today? He could find the heart that's the most broken, the most devastated life, and in a second, he could change your life forever. That's the power of Jesus. Someone today, Jesus is in this room, and he's in your room, wherever you're watching. And he's saying, I want to come in your house. And instantly, everything can, can be changed. But what I wanted you to see is that from his heart, he changed, and he became a giver. I call it grateful generosity, or another way to describe it as thanksgiving, all right? <laughs> the power of thanksgiving, not, not giving because the law says to give, giving because you're so thankful you have to give. Not based on what you've done or should do, but based on what Jesus has done. What he did. Letting what he has done hit you so deep that it turns you into another person. That's my story. When I was, when I was very little, I've told my grandkids like me to tell because when I'm like four years old, somehow, and I don't want to go too deep, but Jesus appears to me literally in the middle of the night, and he, he tells me, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to, and I'm just this little kid. We're living in Durango, Mexico, and here's my first words to God. No, I don't want to do that. And for the rest of my young life, I ran from the call of God. I don't want to be a missionary. I want to be rich and famous. I want to be a superstar football player. I want to be anything but a missionary. And when I'm about 17 years old, the first time I get it, what Jesus did for me, I, I'll never forget. I had so much guilt in my life at that point. So confused, insecure kid. And when Jesus spoke to me, I forgive you, Dale. It just, it was so radical. You know, the first thing I did, I said, God, I want to go everywhere and tell everybody about you. <laughs> please. You know, I grew up saying, please don't send me to Africa. Now, please send me to Africa. What changed? Was it a sermon? No. It was thanksgiving. It was, God, you're doing something right now in my heart. This is a kind of giving that I want to share with you. Let me give you some examples. It's a kind of giving where maybe you're, you're driving your car and someone cuts you off. And you know exactly what you used to give them. 
and you're ready to give them a piece of your mind or whatever else. And all of a sudden, you remember Jesus. And it's like, Jay, would you do this favor for me? You remember how you were? Would you just forgive them? I don't want to, but, oh, but Jesus, for you, I could forgive them. Or, or again, you're, you're so uptight, you're, you're always worried about money, but one day you're worshiping the Lord, and, and it just melts you. He heals a thousand memories. Anybody have that Holy Spirit come moment in your life? And it's like, then the offering comes, and you, got, you say, man, everybody's got to experience this. How, how much can I give? How much can I give? And, and it's, it's because God's grace has broken through. Now, when I was young, the next thing I knew, I got to go and serve. And, and, and I got to, I, I still have this memory of going to the nations. One time going to Africa, spending a whole day. I was jet lagged, spending a whole day with these orphans. Being able to bring them money. They all got to eat. When I looked at that, I, I, all I could think of as I lay there in bed that night, I have never felt so happy in my life. I have never felt anything like this. And what I realized was something huge. And that is, through giving, what God had done for me would not, I could not only just magnify him with praise, I could multiply what he gave me to other people. That God would not only be magnified, but the blessing, the grace, the beauty of what happened to me could like dominoes happen all around the world. By the way, that's how this church got started. I went everywhere. And then God said, if you go to Las Cruces, I haven't called you just to leave, and go, but if you'll go, I'll raise up a church of givers, and I'll put my heart for the world inside of them. And they will so be moved by me, they will want to live their life this way, and they will go, and they will give, and, and what you started to do will happen millions of times through them. grace of God won't just be realized, it'll be multiplied in a thousand million smiles and kids and hearts. Now this same, this same thing that happened to Zacchaeus happened to a church 2,000 years ago called the Macedonian Believers. I want to read this verse too. And, and sorry about the notes, I'll get to them, but the Holy Spirit was just giving me more stuff this morning. I don't know. I'm just terrible with notes because I change every day. But anyhow, this church in Macedonia, let me just read it, because they were in something worse than a pandemic. Their children were being arrested by persecution. They were going through the hardest kinds of times. But listen to what Paul writes them, because at the same time, Christians in Jerusalem are experiencing a famine. Could we find that verse, 2 Corinthians 8? They're experiencing this famine. 
And Paul wasn't even going to ask the Macedonians because they were so poor. But they found out that Paul was taking up an offering and they hunted down the people doing it and they said, you've got to let us give. How many would love to be a part of a group that, that go find people because they, you've got to let me give? Now let me just read this because I just love this heart. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Notice the word grace. Not about how good these people were. But about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial. Now you talk about something counterintuitive. Listen to this. Their overflowing joy. And their extreme poverty. Welled up in rich generosity. Somebody say rich generosity. <laughs> For I testify. They gave not as much as they were able, but even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. Somebody say that. Exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace. I just love that phrase. This act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. Again, this is not because you better but I want to see the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And here's the crowning verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. These people begin to give everything they had. They couldn't stop it. Why? They had in their mind Jesus, the one who could have come to earth, escorted by legions of angels, come, came to be born in a manger. The one who could have sat with emperors chooses to be crucified between two thieves. The one who had it all gave his all for us. And it wrecked them. <laughs> And they begin to pour in. And, and, and as they begin to give, God, and here's, here's some things now. God gave three things to them. Can I tell you why you want to become a, 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 an incredibly grateful giver? A thanks giver. Number one, he said, because you've chosen that route, you're going to have joy. You're going to have so much. In extreme poverty, you're going to have extreme joy. Because there is nothing like the joy that comes from the generosity of God giving through your life. Can you bear witness to that? Look what, uh, in, in, your, in, in your notes, this verse in Acts 20, Jesus was quoted by Paul. He says, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. And it's just true. The most joyful people are not consumers, they're contributors. <laughs> The most joyful people give themselves into hilarity. And I'm not just talking about money today. I'm talking about 
forgiveness and kindness and encouragement and prayer. You cannot give. It's like breathing. You cannot exhale without it becoming an inhale. You cannot give from your heart without joy from God coming into your life. Now, the other side of that, and especially when we think of all the blessings, is that if we don't become givers, chances are we'll become greed, greedy. Or <laughs> Have you noticed that the blessings that make one person generous make someone else greedy? One person is so humble, the other person says, let's build bigger barns. And it's just kind of crazy, but all the statistics show, show that the higher someone's income goes up and the American average, the average American who makes over $100,000 gives 1.9%. In other words, the people who are poor give more percentage. Isn't that crazy? No, that's called the sinful nature. The more that we have, the more that we want to keep. We want to hoard. We want to hold on and build bigger barns. Now, the problem with that is that it doesn't create hope in us. You know, they did a study, and they, they were studying young people in America, consumer young people, and they found out the number one emotion above all other emotions young people felt was disappointment. Here we live in the richest country that's ever been, but most people, the number one emotion they go through is, oh, I wish I had more. Oh, gee, is this all I get? Is this all I have? Are you kidding? Oh, I wish I had something else to do. It's like the famous J.D. Rockefeller statement, the billionaire. Someone asked him, how much money does it make you to be happy? And he said, just a little bit more. <laughs> but just what I'm saying to us is that we're all right there. We're all on the verge of, of generosity or, or, or becoming more self-centered. It's all just right there. And the Lord just calls us. Step over into gratitude. Number two, you'll have a greater impact. And, and I love this verse in 2 Corinthians, the next chapter, verse 9, 11. He says, you will, you, as you give, he tells them, you will be abundantly enriched in every way. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 11. And, and, and we will take your gifts to those in need. And all of a sudden, people all over the world will be giving thanks. In other words, what you give increases your impact. I tell people all the time, real happiness doesn't come from success. It comes from significance. It comes from making a difference. People say, I don't like my life. I wish it was different. I always tell them the same thing. Make a difference. Do you want your life to be different? Make a difference. The moment you go from, from me to, to others, you begin to fulfill the purpose that God has. You begin to see. How many know in America there's people who have plenty too much to live on, but too little to live for? <laughs> they got all the stuff to live on. They got all the stuff. But what are they living for? What, what is changing in their world? What is going to matter 25, 30 years from now? Because you see, we live for minutes by what we get, but we live forever by what we give. 
We, we deepen our life. We can make a splash or we can make ripples. We deepen everything about our life. Once our life is multiplied, instead of just maintained, instead of just continued to be supplied with more stuff, I am convinced that the, the greatest hunger people have been made for is to feel like I made a difference. I, I, somebody's in heaven. Like I say all the time, God, the reason I'm here is to make heaven bigger and lives better. <laughs> I mean, every time you make heaven bigger and lives better, joy, meaning fills your life. Let's look at this verse. Very familiar, Matthew 6, 19. Matthew 6, 19, if we have, I love this verse. It says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Somebody say treasures in heaven. <laughs> where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in this world of economy, your heart's going to be. <laughs> if your treasure is in heaven, it's always going to be content. This is just here. This is just, wow. Two more blanks and it's gone. But if it's there, this idea, if you really think about it, that we have this little life Everything we keep, we lose. It just, it's gone. Everything we consume disappears. Everything we hold on to becomes irrelevant dust. But everything that we sow multiplies. There's a verse, and I'll just read it from Luke 16, 9 from the TEV translation. Jesus says, my counsel to you is to win friends with the right use of money, which is often used in the wrong way. So that when money is a thing of the past, your friends will welcome you into the tents of eternity. <laughs> it says, well, what's the use of money? Well, the real use of money is that it can create eternal friends. And I couldn't help but think we have Chris and Heidi here. And I just never forget one memory stands out of their mission in Zambia. Uh, several years ago, uh, Chris organized this Situation, Heart for the World Church gave money to buy wheelchairs because there's huge places where people who do not have the use of their legs live their whole life in the dirt. They never, they never can walk. There's no such thing as wheelchair. And so all of a sudden, through this church's generosity, they were able to buy all these wheelchairs for these people. And somewhere we still have a, a video of it, but all of these people for the first time got to go, and, and I, I think we called it September to Remember. It was their Lexus or something. Anyhow, we, we bought all these, uh, these wheelchairs, and they had this giant party in these villages in, in Africa. And I'll never forget this one young girl, for the first time in her life, she was mobile. And just a few months later, she passed away. Malaria, some disease. But I, I couldn't help but think the reliving of that moment in heaven where she's dancing now and she's celebrating. And there's about 
about a, a several hundred thousand others there in heaven. And they run up to Chris and Heidi. They run up and they say, we were one of those. First time we ever got out of the ground, somebody from Heart for the World got us a wheelchair. Who are you? Who was the one that got the wheelchair? Can I have the first dance? You know, you just begin to celebrate. And you begin to think, wow, one life to live will soon be passed. But what was done for Jesus, it will always last. Store up, store up, store up. That's the third thing, is that you will have increase. I love this verse. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he says, And God will bless you so abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, you will have all that you need, and you will abound in every good work. I love this. Let's let, just read it with me again. God is able to bless you abundantly. Somebody say abundantly. So that in all things, can you say all things? At all times. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good. How many think that's a good way to live? All right. He says, God, if you become a generous giver of my grace, you will always have all that you need. But not only that, you will always have enough to make others' lives better. And you'll have grace. It will only be outside. It'll be inside. You'll have joy. You'll have peace. You'll have meaning. You'll have overwhelming favor. This is the life that God has for us today. My friend Wayne Meyer says, you can no more empty your pockets by giving than you can empty your heart by loving. The moment you sow, the Bible says, there is a God who is just waiting to press it down. To shake it together, to make it run over, to increase it. We say a, a candle never loses its light when it lights another candle. It just makes the room brighter. Every time your life lights one life, the world is brighter. Every time our heart is for others we are the ones that receive the most. I mean, many times I've gone and given to the poor, and I said, I need to pay you to keep giving to you <laughs> because I feel so blessed. This week in one night, just kind of struggling with thoughts and anxieties and prayers for someone, I said, Lord, how do I, you know, how do I deal with these feelings right now? And the Lord just says, you got to think about someone else. you got to pray for someone else. How many know you never get out of a funk thinking about yourself? If you're afraid, the more you think about not being afraid, the more you're afraid that you're going to be afraid thinking about not being afraid. 1 Peter 5, 9 says, when you're suffering, pray for all of those brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering more than you. Shift. It's the shift inside that changes the atmosphere on the outside. And I just began to pray for Pastor John. He's one of the pastors in the Philippines. In his little Bajau community, there's an outbreak of, of the virus. And, and, and yet in the Philippines, if they take you away, you never come back. It's terrible conditions. And he had called for prayer. And I just spent the night praying for Pastor John in the Bajau community. And suddenly, all of my own worries were gone. <laughs> and God moved in my heart. If there's anything I could tell you, 
that if you want all of your needs met, lose your life. Forget about you as fast as you can. And your heart will be filled. Some of you are looking at me a little funny. Okay, let's go on to the next one. How do you live this life of grateful generosity? Always start with your motive. Start with the right motive whenever you give. This is so huge. What matters first in giving is always our motive. Notice 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves cheerful. Somebody say cheerful. Cheerful givers. God doesn't see the size of your gift. He sees the sincerity and the heart inside of you that's giving. Now, here is just a huge thing. Many of us give. Many of us, our job is giving. We're, we're maybe firefighters. We're, we're nurses. We're, we're teachers. So we give every day. We're a restaurant. The issue isn't just whether you give. The, the issue is why do you give? I mean, the why is more important than the what. Because when you give with the right why, your, your giving is, is worship, not work. When your giving is from a heart of gratitude, you begin to express the heart of God to the people that you're giving to. You can get so, I can get so caught up in the activity of what I'm giving that I'm really not connecting that much with the people I'm giving to. I'm just working hard. I'm just doing it. And God always calls us first. Keep going back to your why. Keep going back to your why. Why am I doing this? Because God, you've been so good to me. We had a birthday party for grandson yesterday. And I said, yeah, we're going to bless him. But I got to spend a little time thinking why I am so blessed to be a grandfather to 18, almost 19 grandkids. And I just began to say, God, I am so blessed. I began, to, I began to thank the Lord for them. Next thing I know, my heart's just melting more. I got to share the word with you this morning. You know, I work hard on this, but you know what was bigger? I just spent a whole lot of time yesterday thanking God for heart for the world people. I just, I, I just literally went into tears saying, God, I just thank you for those, those friends at Heart for the World. They're the most amazing. They're kind. They're generous. It's been the joy of our life. It's been the greatest gift of Sharon and I's life to be able to shepherd them. And God, they're just amazing and they're kind and they love you. And I just had a hallelujah meeting and, and I just couldn't wait to see you today. And I don't know about the message, but I got to be with you, so I am so blessed. You see, it's not what. It's not what we're doing. It's why we're doing it. We have a God who loves us and lets us be his servants. And then we get to show, again, it's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the love in the gift. It's not how much you do, but how kind you are. It's always the heart that changes the world. And the heart comes from just remembering Jesus. Remembering that everything. I love David. Let me just read this. First Chronicles 29, 14. First Chronicles 29, 14. David is, is dedicating the temple. He gives like a $1 billion offering of his own money to build this temple. 
But listen to his why as he gives. He's not even talking about how much money he gave. That didn't even matter to him. Listen, he says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. We have given you only what comes from your hand. Verse 16, he goes on, he says the same thing. He just says, God, we are so humbled. We are so amazed that you would let us give to you. Our very breath is from you. Our very being is from you. And just, just out of that, you can just, all of a sudden, the place erupts in worship. The glory of God comes. Everyone falls on the ground. Why? It wasn't that he gave money. It was that he realized grace deeper. And it changed the atmosphere of everything around him. Just a couple of ideas. We live a life of generous gratitude by, by beginning to see the things we have as seeds we can sow, not possessions we can keep. Here is the shift of all shifts. When you begin to live life, not so that people will appreciate you, but so that you can appreciate people. <laughs> not so people notice you, but so that you can find somebody to notice. Not so you can get something that you wanted, but you could find someone. You could be a chan the channel for God to give them what they needed. It's the most basic switch that, that Paul says, let this mind come inside of you that turns your mind inside out. So that you're like Christ, who though he was God, did not hold on to his equality status with God, but became a servant and humbled himself. Who, who emptied his life to see others and make their life better. I tell you, if you will ask Holy Spirit, he will put that heart inside of you. And all of a sudden you see seeds. You see everything I have. I, I just started writing down, what is everything that could be a seed in my life? My, my smile. Uh, my prayer, my patience, the tone of my voice, my countenance could be a seed. Certainly my money, my time, my talent, everything is a seed. And the moment... As Wayne Meyer says, a seed in my life becomes a harvest in God's hand. Once it goes to God, it becomes a miracle. Just this week, you know, Sharon, she's always got on her heart, you know, the neighbors are getting ready to Thanksgiving. And she just feels thankful for all of our neighbors. And she goes and buys 15 bunk cakes or something like that. Now, while we deliver these, one of the coolest things happens. There is a neighbor, and this neighbor, her husband, was the grouchiest man in our neighborhood. The first time I met him, he was all upset because we were building, and he had a well from the farm near there, and he was all upset, and he was threatening me, and I said, well, Lord, you, you better take care of him, you know, anyhow. And the relationship was kind of, I don't know, but of all the people he since passed, and, and this lady remarried. Of all the people we went to, this was the house that God had an appointment with. She invited me in. She wouldn't let me go. 
her, her other husband, she made him come out. And you know what? She knew me from 45 years ago because she got saved in El Paso during the Jesus movement. By the end, I'm just saying, hey, you know I'm your pastor, don't you? I'm sorry. You've just been gone for 45 years. But I'm your pastor. Suddenly, the environment changed. I can tell you that's the highlight of my Thanksgiving because it wasn't about something I got. It was about a seed that I got to sow. Do the extra thing. That's the, the fourth one. Grateful generosity is when you exceed the expectations. Do you know how you, you know, do you know how you give an offering to God? It's kind of like tithes and offerings. You pay the tithe. It's like, yeah, it's not like, wow, I gave, no, I paid my 10%. I mean, that's just, that's just the command. But you give beyond that. An offering is, is something that you're not required to do. This isn't an expectation. And every day we have what we're required to do. And that's great. That is your responsibility. But your generosity is whatever you do above that. You have to serve a customer, but you don't have to smile and pray for them. You have to, you know, you have to whatever, go worship the Lord, but you don't have to hang out and pray for someone and care about some. It's always what I call the and then some factor, you know. It's what you did, but then it's the second mile of what you can do. There is something today that you can do that exceeds expectations, and every time you do it, God says, that's a worship to me. That is radical generosity. And lastly, giving generously is about giving by faith, not just by our own ability. One of my favorite verses there in verse 7, let me read it again, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. What he says about these givers that was so remarkable is he said, each of you should give what you have decided. Somebody say decided. Decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under any compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. There's a kind of giving, and I put it in your notes this way. There's those who give what they should. <laughs> there are those who give what they could. But then there are those who give what they would. It has nothing to do with this is what I owe or that's what I ought to do. It has to do with something God tells them to do. And you know about this kind of giving what's remarkable? is that it's always something that you do not have the ability within yourself to give. I mean, you know, God loves when we give by faith because then we have to trust him to be the source of what we give. Common sense says, God, when I get plenty, I will give it. And God says, when you give it, you will get plenty. You know, common sense always says, give what you could or give what you should. But faith says, God, beyond anything that I could, because you want me to, to go and pray for a person, and I don't have the faith that they could be healed, but you have the faith that could heal them. Jesus tells the disciples, feed the 5,000, but they only have one lunch, and, 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 and they're going to have to say, well, God, how do we do this? Well, you're going to have to obey me and believe for a miracle. How many love it when God lets you walk in miracle zones? You can't do it. 
God says, I want you to go talk to that person, and you don't know what to say. God, tell me what to say, and I'll go talk to him. God says, go talk to him, and I'll tell you what to say. Do you want to give me a nervous breakdown, God? What are you doing? No, I want to show you that I'm the source of your life. That the moment you believe me, the moment you obey me, I will provide what you could never afford, what you could never muster up in your own strength. It is this kind of giving that's expressed in forgiveness. And I've told the story about when Corrie ten Boom had to forgive the Nazi guard that had killed, helped kill her sister. And she said, I could never forgive him. And God says, I know you can't, but I can. Go to him. And in the going, God gave her what she did not have. God does this with our giving all the time. One of the reasons at the end of the year we have this seed faith offering is just to, to say, wait, you are generous. You guys are so generous. But what if, what if God wanted to do something bigger through us this year than we ever imagined? And, and I, I just, at least once a year I do this. And more I say, God, what do you want me to give that I know I can't afford to give? He's already told me my number, but... What do you want me to give that's beyond whatever I've done that you're going to supply? This has been the most exciting thing in my life. I could tell you story after story. But when we give by faith, it builds faith to see God use us in every area of our life in a greater way. You know, what I realized is when Jesus gave his life, This kind of touched me this week. He did it totally by faith. How many know when Jesus went to the cross, there was no evidence that anybody was going to believe on him and fall. Even his disciples forsook him. When Jesus went to the cross, he looked around. And there was not a single person that he could say, yeah, this is going to work. This is going to happen. They're going to follow me. It's going to be awesome. There was no sign. But he said, Father, not my will, but your will. He gave his ultimate seed, which was his life, by faith. And Father resurrects him. And we're here today. Because the giver of all givers gave by faith. Hallelujah. Could you stand with me as the worship team comes? I want to pray for us. For someone here today, God is asking you to take the most important, biggest step of faith. And Someone watching online right now, that's to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're just like Zacchaeus. Maybe, maybe you have or haven't in the past been religious or... Or followed God, but, but you know you've been in control. You've got your own life, your hurts, whatever they are. But Jesus Christ has come and he's speaking to you, just like he did to Zacchaeus. He says, I don't care where you've been. I want to come to your house today. And in one second, from the time it took him to get from a limb to the ground, he became a different person. You could become a different person from the time where you're standing right now to where you leave this room. You can be another human being. Absolutely changed.
by Jesus Christ. By his saving power, by his forgiveness, by his healing, by his mercy, and by his love. But it'll take a step of faith. You have to get down. You have to step out. You have to believe. You might look silly getting up in that tree. You might, people might wonder about you if you start to follow Jesus. But when you step out, he's going to change you. Someone here, maybe you've never been baptized. We're going to have a baptism. What an incredible step of faith. I'm going to do something to give God what he wants me to give him. My obedience so he can change my life. Maybe it's going to be to forgive somebody that's hurt you. Maybe it's something else. But you would just say, God, yes, yes, Holy Spirit. I receive you. I give you my heart. Just pray with me right now. And anyone watching, if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just right where you are. Call on him. The Bible says if you'll call upon the Lord, you will be saved. He hears your cries. Just say it with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me, and you rose again. Come into my heart. Change my life. Heal my life. I give it to you. I want to be your follower. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I just bless others here today. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need a healing. Just say, yes, Lord. I receive your touch. I receive your grace. I believe you, God. You're here right now. Just say the word, and I'm healed. Just say the word, and I'm delivered. Just say the word, and my family's whole. I believe it. Lord, today as we go, we go to be your givers. We go to not just magnify your goodness, but to multiply it. To see hearts changed by whatever seed we can sow. It's our heart. It's our desire. And we do it in faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.